great to be here. Uh, I'm so excited to be with you this morning. Yes, spring retreat was awesome. Let's go. Come on. It's super excited to continue that, uh, the, whole, the whole momentum of, of spring retreat today. And uh, I want to say that I'm, I'm super honored to be here and to, to preach today. I've been to this church quite a few times over the years, and um, I've, I've spoken at youth before, never spoken on a Sunday morning, and it's, a, it's an honor. This church is a, an amazing church, and uh, it's, it's a, a really, really healthy church. My uncle is Uncle Ron. Um, so I, I know Pastor Ron and Kelly by Uncle Ronnie and Aunt Kelly. Come on, that's how, that's how I know them. And uh, I love them so much. And uh, they've made such a big difference in my life. Pastor Ron is really, my Uncle Ron is really like a second dad uh, to me. He's always been there in all of the, the big moments of my life, starting when I was little. And uh, every sporting event that was of any significance, he'd f- literally fly in for. Um, he, you know, he flew in for my graduation. Every time there's something big, he, he married my wife and I. Um, and so every time something big, and now I'm with my kids. So he treats my kids like they're his own niece and nephews. They're his great nieces and nephews. And um, it's just, he's made such an impact. And I just wanted to say to you guys, and, and you know this already, but sometimes you just need to hear it from somebody else that comes in from the outside. When I've been here Wednesday, you know, Wednesday afternoon and evening, I was here and, and last night at Rose District this morning. Um, this is what I can sense from the outside coming in is this church is healthy, man. You have a healthy church. And um, when something's healthy, it grows. And that's what you're seeing. You know, you're seeing growth and y'all about to have the business celebration. Come on, if you can call a business meeting a business celebration, that's a good year right there. Uh, you have a, have a business celebration. I've never heard that before, but I got to steal that. But you got to have had a good year to call it that. But that's because healthy things grow. And that starts with your leaders, Pastor Ron and Kelly, and all of the leaders that are around them and the staff that's around them. Um, but this is just an amazing place and I'm super happy and humbled to be able to be here. I'm going to preach a message called A Call to Holy Community. A Call to Holy Community. That's the title of it. We'll be in two passages today, so obviously we'll have the scriptures on the screen, but if you, if you have your Bibles and you want to turn there, you can go ahead and, and, and write these down or turn there. First Peter chapter 1, 1 Peter 1, and then also we'll be in Acts chapter 2 as we talk about what holy community is. Let's pray real quick. God, we just open ourselves to your word. We humble ourselves before you. We acknowledge if somebody really important was in the room today, um, we would acknowledge their presence. We acknowledge your presence, your Holy Spirit that's here. We acknowledge that your word is the authority in our lives. We acknowledge that it's infallible, it's inerrant. Your word is perfect and your word is life to us and it's light to our path. Uh, And so we just pray that you'd guide us, direct us, speak to us, encourage us, correct us, um, build us up today by the power of your spirit and the teaching of your word in Jesus' name. Come on, and everybody said. Amen. I have this really bad habit. I've told everybody. I told the, the young people. I told Rose. I told everybody so far. I've developed this bad habit. I'm trying to break it. I need God's help. You can pray for me. Every time I preach, I got four kids now, and I, I have this thing where I have to tell dad jokes. And so I don't know, you know any of the dads here that can appreciate this, 
Um, this is gonna be something where like I give these to you, you can then pass them on, you can pay it forward, you know, and then what happens is after service, every sing- and it's been true every time, every, so- every service, I have, I've got dads come up to me, they tell me their dad jokes, and, and it's just like the world of the generous gets larger and larger, come on somebody, you just, you be generous with the jokes, you get them back, and it's just never-ending fountain of blessing, and so um, if you don't like dad jokes, I just want you to notice something, no matter how disgusted you are, ladies, with dad jokes, you still have to smile. It's just something about dad jokes. You can, you can be shaking your head and think that it's not funny, but you're smiling as you're shaking your head. What do you call a cow with no legs? Ground beef. What do you call a cow with two legs? Lean beef. I knew that we'd warm up with that one. I was going to start with a, a pizza joke, but that one was too cheesy. So I'm going I'm to get into a couple of the real ones. Brittany and I, my, my wife Britt and I had a crazy argument last week. It was a huge blow up. We were arguing about something silly. It was about the alphabet. We were like, which vowel is the best? And I won. Um, ah. <laughs> uh, uh. There was a guy who he couldn't get a girlfriend to save his life, so he, he picked up his phone and he asked Alexa, he said, why am I so bad with women? And she said, I'm Siri, you idiot. <laughs> That's one of my favorite ones. Anyway, we're going to get to the, the scripture here. I, I did recently, recently we, we were having um, fruit delivered to our front door every week, and uh, we ended up having to, to fire the delivery guy. He was driving me bananas. Um, so we had to let the man go. This is ridiculous. Okay, I'm going to lose all respect before, we, before I start preaching. Let's get to the word. How about that? Who's ready for the word today? Let's go. First Peter 1, as we talk about holy community, this is going to encourage us today. This is going to set the tone. We're going to teach out of Acts 2, but out of First Peter, we're going to set the tone for today. So let, let's, let's read this. This letter is from Peter, the apostle of Jesus Christ. He says, I'm writing to God's chosen people who are living as foreigners in the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia and Bithynia. I did my best there. God the Father knew you and chose you long ago, and his spirit has made you holy. Come on, this, what we're about to, to read, we, we get insight to this letter from Peter. This is to us today. Come on, God's word is alive. It's active. We can, we can receive this as a word from God today. Come on, he's made us holy. That means set Apart, And as a result, you have obeyed him and have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And I love this today because it reminds us that we don't have to obey God for him to make us holy. He's made us holy because of the blood of Jesus. And because he made us holy, washing our sins away, we now obey him in response. Come on, how many are thankful for that today? And he says, so may God give you more and more grace and peace. Assembly, may God give you more and more grace. May he give you more and more peace. He says, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And now we live with great expectation. And we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. So be truly glad. 
church. There is wonderful joy ahead. Even though you must endure many trials for a little while, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is more, far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Peter's saying this, everybody. He's saying, you have a reason to have joy today. You have a reason to have expectation today. God has saved you. He's made you holy. He set you apart. He's given you an inheritance and the world can't touch that inheritance because it's not just mere gold, but this is inheritance in the spiritual realm. Come on, we're happy for that. And then he says, and even when you go through trials, even in hard times, you can still have joy because those hard times make you better. And so we just be, we're just reminded today of who he's called us to be in this life that he's called us to live. These last couple of verses in this passage, he says, for the disobedient, when he talks about disobedience, and he says, for they stumble because they don't obey God's word. And so they meet the faith that was planned for them. But you are not like that. Everybody say, we're different. For you are chosen people. You are royal priests. A royal priesthood, most translations say, a holy nation, God's very own special possession. And that's not to say that you're better than everybody else and we should get spiritually arrogant and prideful. This is not so that we can look down our nose at other people. He tells us, this is who you are. You are a ch God chose you before the beginning of time. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy, set-apart nation. You're different. And then he says, a peculiar people or a special possession is how it's translated. It literally means purchased, that God bought you back. He purchased you back. And so we can feel the value today. We can feel the love of God today. But here's why. I love this. Here's why. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness and into light. It's not so that we can act better than others. It's so that we can be a light in darkness, because I can't be a light if I'm the same as everybody else. I've been set apart. I've been made holy. I've been empowered by the Spirit of God to make a difference in the world. Can somebody say amen? That's who we are. That's what he's called us to do. And so that's who we are. That's a, an encouragement today from the word of God. And we're going to look at what it looks like to live that out. What does it look like to be, to live as the chosen? What does it look like to be, to live as a holy people? What does it look like to live as a royal priesthood? What does it look like to live as people who have been redeemed by God? Well, let's go to the very first church. So this would be familiar to many of you who have been around church is Acts chapter two, but we're going to look at it fresh today. We're going to ask God to speak to us fresh today. Give us a fresh word from Acts two. When you want to go and look at the original intent of something, go back to the beginning. Let's look at the very first church in Acts chapter two, Acts chapter one and two actually is, um, so, so Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, most of you know this, but bear with me if somebody is newer to church and the Bible and God. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, those are the four gospels, first four books of the New Testament. They all give parallel accounts of the life, ministry, death, resurrection of Jesus, all right? So they're, they're telling us generally the same thing from four different viewpoints. Um, and then you get Acts as the next book. And Acts is really the Acts of the church, the Acts of the apostles. This is the, this is what, the, when the church was born, Jesus ascends, pours out his spirit in Acts 1, and the church is birthed. And so in Acts chapter 2, where we're going to read, the church has just been birthed. The Holy Spirit was poured out. Um, an amazing moment of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. People are coming, they're getting saved, and we're going to pick it up there. Acts 2, 41. 
Those who believed what Peter said, because he's preaching, he's telling them what is going on here, were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. How I many know that's a good day in church? 3,000 people added to the church. Holy Spirit's poured out. Peter is preaching the gospel. And then this. All the believers devoted themselves. I want everybody to say devoted themselves. Devoted themselves. This, this is what, this is the, the bread and butter today. Devoted themselves. This is it. Devoted themselves. This is what they did. And the Holy Spirit was poured out. Then they devoted themselves to a few things that Luke tells us. The apostles teaching, to fellowship, to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. This is what they devoted themselves to. Now, I don't need to tell you, some of you this, you already know this, but here's what can happen is we love, come on, we love a, we love ourselves a revival. How many just love a revival? We need revival. We pray for revival. We love the spirit being poured out and us being stirred up and us being baptized and us being uh, rejuvenated in God. We need that. We pray for it. We pray for revival in our nation. We love what we're seeing as revival is popping up across the nation on campuses. All of that is amazing. We need it. We continue to pray for it. But here's what we can slip into is that we experience a move of God. And so what we do is we chase the next move of God or we experience a move of God, so we wait idly for another move of God. But it says that the, the people, so this is the church, it was 120, and then the spirits poured out, and now it's like over 3,000. This is what they did. There was a move of God, and they didn't just sit back and wait, or they didn't just chase the next spiritual high. It says that they devoted themselves to some things. And we have a, a, a growing problem in culture today. This is beyond even just Christian culture. This is just in the world that we live in. And it's for good reason. We have more technology than, we, than we've ever had. That's great. We've got phones. We've got, you know, internet. We've got, uh, we've got a lot of like really, really cool, convenient things that allow us to have options upon options upon options. When you're talking about restaurants and you're talking about food and you're talking about shopping and education, I mean, we, churches, um, the, the content, Christian content, all kinds of content, information, we have options upon options upon options. And there's this author uh, named Pete Davis who wrote a book called Dedicated. Um, and and the, the subtitle of the book is The Case for Commitment in an Age of Infinite Browsing. And uh, what he develops in this book is this or this, this concept he titles infinite browsing mode. He introduces this concept and um, you'll recognize this as I talk about it, infinite browsing mode. What this is, he argues, is that because we have so many options, we have been conditioned to not actually commit to one of the options. What happens is we have so many options and then we get, FOMO, we, we are scared that we're not going to pick the right one. So even if we do pick one, we will quickly, quickly bail on our commitment to the next one because we think that that one might be better. This is how it works with me and my wife. Me and Brittany will sit down at night to watch a TV show after we've gotten the kids to sleep. And in our minds, we're going to sit down and watch a show and this is going to be great. We're going to watch a, we'll pick a show and we'll watch all the seasons and this will be like our thing at night. It has never happened. We have failed miserably. This is how our nights go. We put the kids to sleep. We sit down. We, get, we turn on Netflix. 
and we start reading descriptions of shows, and then we'll watch the previews of descriptions of shows, and then we'll see another one that we think might be better than that, so we'll watch that preview, and then we'll watch another preview. Then we might actually pick one. We'll watch the first episode halfway through. It's not going as fast as we would like. All of a sudden, at the end of the night, we watched 11 half shows. And so our, our Netflix account is full of just like resume watching at halfway through episode one. That's, that's what our Netflix account looks like because we can't pick a show because we're always thinking that maybe that other show is better. We ha- we've lost the ability to just commit to one and see it all the way through. And so what happened, this is in every area of our lives. We, we have an inability, this author argues, but we don't even need to, him to tell us, we know this. We have an inability to commit to something long-term. More than ever before we have this because we have so many options. And the danger is if that character trait that's being developed in us slips into our spiritual life, and let me tell you, I would be as bold as to say it is, whether you know it or not. And, and we want the results of commitment, we just don't actually have the fortitude to commit. I'm not talking about you guys, by the way. Y'all are at church. I'm preaching to the choir. So listen, but sometimes the choir needs a reminder, okay? And so I'm preaching to you. You're here. Come on, like you can pat yourself on the back. This is for somebody else. <laughs> this is for them. No, but, but really, we need to be encouraged in this today, and we need to be able to help other people in this today. Paul uh, would talk to Timothy, and he would say, remind the people over and over of the things of God. Part of today is us reminding each other of what it takes to be the holy community that he's called us to be. If we look at the original holy community, they were devoted to some things. They were devoted to some things. We, we want to be, I want a Christian, I want a life that's going to have the results of commitment. We all want that. I, how many want the results of eating healthy and working out every day? How many want the results of that? Come on, we'll take a six pack. I, I'll take that. But we, it's hard to do it. It's hard to put in the work to get the results. We want the results, but it's hard. I want in my Christian life, more important than anything here, I want to live a, leave a legacy. How many want to leave a legacy? I want my kids to grow up loving God and loving the house of God. I want their kids to love God and love the house of God. I want when I take my last breath on earth and my first breath in heaven, I want to have left something that's going to matter, something that's going to have made a difference. I don't want my impact to end when my life on earth ends. Come on, we want the results of a committed life. We want to live robust, you know, spiritual, strong spiritual lives, but it's going to take devotion. And so the, I'm going to do some, some Greek words today, if you don't mind. And we're going to, and we're going to take a little bit deeper look at what Acts 2 is actually saying. This is what it says when it says they devoted themselves. It's proskatideo is the Greek word. It's the word that's translated devoted. Um, and this is what it means to adhere to one, to be devoted or constant to one to be steadfastly attentive unto, to give unremitting care to a thing, and I love this, to continue all the time in a place. It says they devoted themselves. New King James says they continued steadfastly to these things. These believers weren't in infinite browsing mode. They weren't off to the next revival meeting. They were filled with the Spirit. Baptized. They were baptized. They were filled with the Spirit. They were, they were then planted in community. 
and some amazing things happen. My encouragement to you today is this. Young people, older people, new Christians, seasoned Christians, everybody under the sound of my voice, I'm praying that today you get stirred up and that God convicts you and that God encourages you to get devoted like never before. And like I said, you're already devoted to a point because you're here. If you're watching online, you need to be here. You're already here. But listen, but for some of us, there are areas of our life where we're half in, half out. There are areas where we could be better. There are areas where we could be more committed. Let's let the Holy Spirit of God just make some tweaks. Let's let him just encourage us and continue to mold us and to shape us so that we can be the community that he's called us to be. What did they do? They were filled with the Spirit and they were just constantly devoted to the community that they were a part of. And that's what we want in our lives. We can talk about many things that would identify a spirit-filled Christian. You know, if you're spirit-filled, this is what you're going to do. I'll tell you what spirit-filled Christians do. They're committed to the community. They got filled with the spirit. They got committed. So what are some of the things they were devoted to? Luke tells us. The first one was the apostles' teaching. Didache. I gotta be careful saying Greek words. I'm gonna spit all over this brand new mic. I have to tell Pastor Ron, just spit all over your mic trying to do Greek words. Didache is the Greek word, which means the apostles' teaching. None of y'all thought that was funny. I thought that was funny. I feel like I'm gonna spit all over his mic. Um, the apostles' teaching is what this is translated as. Why am I giving you the Greek word? Because this is, this is fascinating as you take a look at the original language in the 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 power and the umph, the meaning behind these words. So we see teaching and it's just, we can, we can miss the, the gravity of this word. So this literally is translated instruction, teaching, that which is taught, or doctrine. When they, when they committed themselves, they were dedicated to the doctrine, to the teaching that was being taught by their teachers, by their pastors. Now, I know this is like a, this is like a really a pastoral word. This is like a teaching today. This is, this is something that we need to hear. It's not necessarily flashy, but we need to hear it. This church looks like being committed to, submitting to the teaching of our pastors and leaders. Starting with Pastor Ron. Being committed and, and devoted to listening to and receiving the word of God taught by our leaders. Now, you might say that's obvious, but let me tell you why the culture and what's happening today has bled into our, and how it's bled into our spiritual life. If we're not careful, we will let infinite browsing mode come into our, the way that we receive teaching and develop our theology and our doctrines and then therefore our worldview, or it should be therefore our worldview because we should get our worldview on issues and social issues and political things based off of the word of God, not try to fit our theology into our worldview. And, but if we're not careful, we'll develop our doctrine and our theology on our own, treating it like... A buffet. So what I mean is, instead of receiving what is being delivered from our server, so to speak, we will take what we like from, this is not you, of course, these are the other people. <laughs> I'm kidding, this might be you. I don't know, you take it for yourself. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. We, we take what we like and then we'll also, we'll, we'll reject what we don't like and we'll find it 
said like we want it to be said from somebody else. From another preacher or another blog or from YouTube. And, and, and so we'll start. And, and when we find it said like we want it to be said, it builds us up. And so what we do is we end up cherry picking the things that we already have decided what we're going to believe. We've already decided what we want to believe on these issues or on the word. And so because we've already decided it, I need to hear it how I've already decided it. And I build my own echo chamber by cherry picking from different things. That's one of the beauties of technology is that the word is more accessible than ever. Teaching is more accessible than ever. You can hear the best preaching in the entire universe in a moment. Just go to your phone. You could actually listen to them right now as I'm preaching. You could just put an earbud in and listen to the best preachers in the whole world while I'm preaching. I mean, it's amazing that we have such access to this. The problem is when we have options, we're slow to commit. But the key, everybody, to discipleship is being discipled. And the YouTube preacher can't and is not discipling you. You know what you're doing? Discipling yourself. So I'm just, when I was a kid, we'd get Lucky Charms. And I would just eat the marshmallows. And and my mom would tell me, you can't just eat the marshmallows. You got to eat the other stuff because it's good for you. Now that I'm older, I'm realizing that none of it's good for me. But you you get the little analogy there, right? So in the spiritual, it's like, we're just eating the marshmallows. I just want to hear what makes me feel good. I just want to hear what I agree with. If you never hear something in church that you disagree with, something's wrong. And if you never receive correction from the word of God and from pastors and teachers, something's wrong and you're not a disciple because in the word disciple is discipline. And if I want to grow and I want to be strengthened and I want to be formed into a fully devoted follower of Jesus, sometimes I need to be corrected. Sometimes my view needs to be challenged and shifted and brought in line with what the word of God says. How many know I can be wrong? Yeah, I know it's hard to, it's hard to accept, but I need to be able to be wrong, and young people right here in the front, listen to me. We were just together on Wednesday, we're together again. This is important for you to learn early in life. Commit yourself to the teaching, be devoted to the teaching, be in church every Sunday and every Wednesday, and you listen to it and you humble yourself to it. And it doesn't matter if what the world is saying, it's out of date, that's just traditional, that's nonsense, that's, that's you're just being brainwashed. Listen, it, it, it is, it's either true or it's not. And if it is the word of God, living, breathing, infallible, inerrant word of God, and we know that it is, then we must submit ourselves to it and say, God, correct me, mold me, build me up, form me. Paul writes to the Ephesian church. I don't have this on the screen, but listen to this. He says there's these gifts in the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. There's these gifts to the church. And these, these people, these gifts, will build, they'll equip the saints for the work of the ministry. They build the church. And then, and then he says it like this. I, wanna, I want you to listen to this. When we receive from them, we will no longer be immature like children. Listen to this. Tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. 
Come on, I wanna be a Christian who no matter what wind of culture, no matter what new teaching comes along, no matter what happens out there, that I can be planted and of course love and of course with grace, but I don't have to be wondering what's true because I'm just committed and I'm submitted and I'm gonna learn and I'm gonna grow, I'm gonna be equipped so that I can be a mature follower of Christ. Come on, not a spiritual lightweight, but a heavyweight boxer. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna be able to take the punches from the world and I'm gonna be able to punch back, but watch this, instead speaking the truth in love. We do it with love, growing in every way more and more like Christ. When we're devoted to the teaching, we grow into who he's called us to be. I wanna go to, to the second thing that, that Luke says the apostle, or the people were devoted to, the apostles' teaching, but then koinonia, this, this Greek word koinonia, which means fellowship. Now, it's important that you know that the word fellowship for us when we are talking about the verb, usually when we talk about fellowship in church life, it's the verb fellowship. So we're gonna fellowship with each other. Come on, how many remember the fellowship hall? We love a good old fellowship hall with some fried chicken and probably some mashed potatoes and, and gravy after church. Come on, how many grew up with a fellowship hall and some mashed potatoes and gravy and fried chicken? That sounds great right about now. But we're not talking about the verb fellowship. Fellowship, the verb is good, and we're actually gonna talk about it in a moment. But the reason that I take a moment, this is not just random information, the reason that I'm telling you that it's koinonia, the noun fellowship, is going to hopefully allow you to see Acts 2.42 a little bit differently and bring to light something that's necessary for holy community. This is what it means. It means joint participation, a contribution exhibiting and embodying proof of fellowship, which is real strong there, uh, to say that your contribution proves that you're a part of the fellowship. But this is the nature, this is the essence of that word, and here's what it means. This, this, so, so let me summarize this, and my, and my summary would be that they, they were devoted to fellowship means they were devoted to jointly participating, and when they jointly are participating and committed to that, that makes what we call a fellowship. So, so I would say it like this. You're a part of a fellowship. You're part of a church, but another word would be, and you might have heard this before, a fellowship. What fellowship do you belong to? I belong to the assembly. That's, this is our fellowship. It's a, it's a noun. It's a what makes this a fellowship or a community is not the building. Thank God for a beautiful building. I'm, I'm a little jealous because we're building a building. We're, we're in the process of raising money to build a building, and we've got beautiful land, but you got a beautiful building. And then I was at Rose District last night, and I'm like, another beautiful building. And give me some of that anointing, God, right here, some of that assembly anointing. Um, but you've got beautiful buildings. But how many know this building is not the church? This building is a blessing from God that is able to facilitate the church gathering. Um, the, the church is not a social club. The church is not a 501c3. It's not just an organization. The church is not a charity. It's not just a charity. The, the church is all of those things, but the church is the people, and it's not just the people. It's the people that have a revelation that our contribution makes this what it is. You know that we can't do church without you and your contribution, your koinonia, your koinonia, your, your contribution is what makes it a fellowship. 
The missions team doesn't go without resource. We don't have the Easter, what's it called, extravaganza, palooza, carnival, without your contribution. You know, those, the eggs aren't free that showed up. You know, you, this thing doesn't happen without the contribution of the saints. And watch this. This is fascinating to me. I don't know if it's fascinating to you. It's fascinating to me that the church is the bride of Christ. It's the representation of Christ in the earth. The way that Jesus saved us to remind you is this. While we were still sinners, Romans 5, Christ died. And so for God so loved the world that he gave his son out of his love. So while we were in sin, God sent Jesus to die for us before we turned from sin as an offering that if you want to receive him, you can, but either way he died. But you're not automatically forgiven because he died. You're forgiven when you put faith in him. And so it's your response to him that brings you that sal- that activates that salvation that he brought. And so it was free, but once you receive it, now you give our, we give our lives, as Paul says to the Romans, as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to him. So it's like, God, Jesus, you gave me salvation so I don't have to hang on a cross, but in response to not having to hang on a cross, I'm gonna pick up my cross and I'm gonna lay down my life to follow you. Paul says, I make myself a slave to Christ. And so watch this. The church mirrors that. You ready for this? Church is free. How many are, you know, if you go, if you go to, I went over to Lifetime and wow, what a one day pass price they have, but I did it. And, you know, and I, and I was able to work out this week and, and you had to pay. And if you want to join the gym, you have to pay. Why? That's not messed up that you have to pay. Oh my gosh, you have to pay. It's because it's it takes money to run the gym. And so you have to pay to go. If you want to bring a guest, you might get them free one time or something, but then they have to pay a guest fee to go. You know what? Church, this is amazing. People can come into church. They don't have to pay at the door. They can check their kids into kids ministry. They don't have to pay at the door. That's incredible. We get to offer this ministry to people with no strings attached. You never have to do anything to receive. For while we were still sinners, Christ died. And while they're still sinners, we're going to do ministry and we're going to preach the gospel and we'll put out eggs and we'll do classes and we'll do counseling and we'll do everything that we can possibly do to show the love of God to the world with no strings attached. But let me tell you what happens. Eventually, you get a revelation that Jesus did that for me. The assembly did that for me. And so now I'm going to become a tither. I'm going to become a giver. I'm going to join the dream team. I'm going to start contributing to make this fellowship even bigger so that we can reach even more people. It's an amazing concept. This is what makes the church the church. And it's a beautiful thing. They were committed to koinonia. They were committed to contributing, to participating, and making this thing what it is. There's been a severe misunderstanding in church. We have, we have in, in, in my lifetime, it's turned to something that's for us. Church absolutely will benefit you. Absolutely will pour into you and your life will be better. You're better because of it. But never forget, young people, never forget, church is not about what you get. It's about what you give. First Peter, I don't have time to do this. This is a whole different message. But when First Peter says you're a royal priesthood, do you know what the priests did? The priests brought a prepared sacrifice to the worship, to the temple. And they 
they prepared it and they sacrificed and they brought it out of their love for God. And we are now the priesthood. We don't need a priest to get to God. We don't need a priest to get us into the presence of God. Jesus is our high priest. We've become the priesthood and we are now that representative. We're now that agent in the earth that's gonna show people, Jesus, we're the priesthood, everybody. We are it, but guess what? A priesthood understands. A priesthood understands that we gotta come ready to bring our sacrifice. I enter his presence with thanksgiving. I enter his courts with praise. I don't come to church and stand with my hands in the po- my pocket as the worship team sings to me. They're not singing to you. We're singing as an audience of one to God. We come in ready with our praise. We come ready with our worship. We're the priesthood of God. I'm co- I come, I'm ready with my offering. I'm ready with my tithe. I'm ready with, ready with my time. I'm here today to give to God and to give to people. And the crazy awesome thing is I end up receiving as well because the more you give, the more you receive. Isn't church a beautiful thing? It's a holy community. And they were committed to contributing and participating to the fellowship because that's what makes it what it is. The last two, I'm going to go quickly. The, the, the third one is classis artas is the two Greek, are the two Greek words that create this phrase breaking of bread. <clears throat> and the breaking of bread is just simply, that's a phrase that you've probably heard before in church, but it's a, it's, it's a Hebrew concept because the Hebrew bread was thin, crispy, cake-like bread that you don't cut with a knife, you break. I like my bread being able to cut with a knife. Come on, somebody. I just want warm, fluffy loaf of bread with melted butter, and I'm going to cut that thing with a knife. How many are, are with me? I don't really want to break my bread. That doesn't sound appetizing to me. So, But they, Hebrews had this bread that you would it would break it like that. And so this is where the phrase comes from. But way deeper than the specific breaking of bread is this became a phrase that represented mealtime. And in the Hebrew culture, mealtime was an intimate time. You don't have a meal with somebody unless you're opening your lives to them. And so this is a very um, intimate word. It's a very intense word. It's, it's that we're breaking bread together. That's why the Pharisees got mad at Jesus for eating with sinners, because they were saying you're breaking bread with sinners. And you understand, so it's a big deal when you break bread together. And so in our context today, it does involve meals. And, and obviously, this is also a reference to the Eucharist, to communion. They would have not only eaten meals together, but they would have taken communion together in each other's homes, remembering what Christ did. And so we're gathered in Christ's name. We are forgiven by Christ, and we forgive others because of what Christ did. And if I offended you, a living in community looks like this, is that I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to apologize, and you're going to forgive me, and that's not normal. In, in normal life, but we're not normal people. We're supernatural and our whole faith is built on forgiveness. So I'm going to forgive. Like everything's built on Christ and our relationships are built on Christ. And I'm discipled as I do life with other people. I told our church, I said, we, a lot of Christians will say, I don't need church to be a Christian. The, the truth is that's completely false. You absolutely need church to be a Christian. The, 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 the accurate way to say it would be, you don't need church to become a Christian. Church, you don't need church to become a Christian. All you need to become a Christian is faith in Jesus Christ and the finished work on the cross. Amen? Amen. But to be a Christian? Oh, writer of Hebrews says, you better not forsake the meeting together. 
Because that's where you encourage one another to love and good works. You miss church for a long time, you're not gonna act like the person that you wanna be. You absolutely need church, you need relationships because if I'm not in relationship, I can be selfish and nobody calls me out on it. If I'm not in church, I don't have to forgive people. If I'm not in church, I'm probably not gonna offend anybody, they're not gonna offend me. I can just do life on my own, you know? I'll just catch it online and you can be selfish and nobody's ever gonna know. You get in church, you're gonna have people problems. You get in church, you're gonna have to forgive people. You get in church, you're gonna, you're gonna have to be molded. You're going to have your mindset challenged. Come on, sharing in meals represents relationship. And so in the context of church, we have all of these things, everybody. We have all of them. We do, you do here at the assembly. The teaching is primarily on Sunday, but then in classes, you've got the contribution is how I give my financial resources and give of my time and serve on teams. And then this sharing in meals, this happens in groups. I mean, we, we do life beyond Sunday, right? Well, that's what we gotta be committed to if we wanna be the holy community he's called us to be. And I close with the fourth one, and that's prasuke, which means prayer. And even this word prayer, when you look at the definition of it, there is an essence of gathering. It's important that we pray and read the Bible and have our devotional life that's strong. That's, that's of utmost importance, of course. But it's not either or, it's not, is it, alone or in community. It's alone and in community because in Acts 2.42, the prayer is in the context of a group. It's a place set apart for, suited for the offering of prayer, a synagogue, a place in the open air where Jews went to pray. This is, this is prayer together. When we pray and we worship like we're doing this morning and we're gonna do again here in a moment, there is something powerful that happens when the people of God come together and we surrender our lives to him. We give him our worship. We bless him with our worship. And in, as we praise him, he inhabits our praises. As we draw near to him, he draws near to us. There's a powerful thing that happens when we worship and when we set an atmosphere of prayer together. That happens every Sunday. That happens in the prayer small group or the small groups. That happens at 21 days of prayer. Come on, how many love some 21 days of prayer? Start the year off with 21 days. Like, like this church is committed to making prayer a part of what we do. Prayer is intertwined throughout everything that we do. And that's the one of the necessary ingredients to holy community when we look back at what the first church did. And so they were devoted relentlessly to the teaching, to the contribution, to fellowshipping together, living life together, and to prayer. And then we're gonna close with what happened as a result. So we just read 41 and 42 so far. I'm gonna read 43 through 47. And this is kind of like I would say You know, the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's like the fruit of a life that is filled with the spirit, led by the spirit. And this is not like Bible. This is just me. Okay. So I want to be clear. This is my, my view is like this. What we're about to read is like the fruit of the spirit church style. This is like a church that's filled with the Spirit, a, a community that has a revelation of what it means to be a holy community. So this is like the corporate fruit of the Spirit, so to speak. That's how I like to think of it. But watch this. This is what happens when they were devoted. This is an amazing picture that we get here. A deep sense of awe came over them all. I love that part. We're gonna come back to that before we sing. That's gonna be what we pray into. But it goes on to say, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. How many want signs and wonders and miracles and healings? We want that. That's a result of, that's what happens when they were devoted. 
And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything that they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. There was extreme generosity happening here. And they worshiped together at the temple each day and met in homes for the Lord's Supper. There it is. It's church on Sunday and church at home. It's church on Sunday and church. Like we need both. We need this and we need that. This is what community looks like. They shared their meals together with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And for anybody that cares about Greek words, the goodwill is the word charis, which is where we get the word grace or charisma. And this is like the gifting of God, the grace of God that's on each person. Guess what? When we're a part of church, I get to enjoy the grace of God that's on your life. I can't enjoy that if you sit at home. I can't enjoy that if I sit at home. I get to enjoy the grace of God that's on this worship team. Come on, how many are thankful for your worship team? I get to enjoy the grace of God that's on the kids ministry, that these people that take time and are actually excited to do kids ministry. Come on, that's not my gifting. I do kids ministry every other day of the week with my four kids, but they are excited to pour into kids and teach them Jesus. If you're a parent in here, you need to say thank you when you pick it, pick your kids up from kids ministry because they're not just babysitting them. They're teaching them the word of God, forming them and shaping them. And so you get to enjoy the goodwill, the chorus of all of the people in this community. We get to enjoy the servanthood of the parking team, the servanthood of the welcome team. We come together and I get to enjoy the, the grace, the goodness of all the goodwill of all of the people. How many are thankful for that? And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who are being saved. The church grows because it's spirit-filled. The church grows because it has a revelation of what it means to be relentlessly devoted and faithful to the things that the first church was. And my prayer is that we today are just stirred up a little bit, or a lot, in our devotion and our commitment to the things of God. And what happens when we are is all of those things. That's like, that's the, the result of all of that. But one of the amazing things, and this is what God put on my heart. So this is specifically like what the Holy Spirit of God put on my heart for us this weekend would be that verse 43, that on top of all of those things that'll happen, that we'll get our sense of awe and wonder back if we've lost it. Just like when I felt the Holy Spirit says, there'll be some people here who have lost their awe of church. Like it's become, it's gone from wow to, uh, you know, how deep was that? Uh, we'll go to church. I'll catch it online. I mean, that's obviously not you. Again, you're here. Great job. But how many have ever done that? I'll catch it online. You can't catch it online. Sorry, guys. It's a great, it's a great replacement when you're sick. But, but we, but watch, but we get like, I'll go to church when I'm not at the lake. I'll go to church when we don't have soccer. I, yeah, I'm in church usually when I haven't been out too late on Saturday. I'll be in church if I feel like it. Nowadays we'll miss church because we almost sneezed last Tuesday. <laughs> That's COVID's fault. <laughs> God, forgive us for treating your church lightly. 
Forgive us for treating this like an event that we come to instead of a family we belong to. God, forgive us for being calloused about the things of God. Forgive us for being indifferent about the things of God. This is a holy community. We are the light of the world. We're the salt of the earth. We are a chosen people. We're a royal priesthood. We're a holy nation. We're a purchased and redeemed people. This is the bride of Christ. We are living, breathing. We're the hands and feet of Jesus in the earth. We're called to make a difference. We're called to change the world world, in our neighborhoods, and in the nations. Come on, this is a beautiful thing to be a part of. This is a holy thing to be a part of. So God, forgive us for taking it lightly. Forgive us for treating it like it's nothing. God, we want to be used by you. We want to have an awe and a wonder of the things of God. We want to be able to say, wow, we love this. Wow, we love your kingdom. We love your church. We want to be a part of it. I want to participate in it. I want to receive from it. Thank you, God, for saving us. Thank Thank you, God, for setting us into family. You place the lonely in family, and we're grateful today. And so, God, we lift our hands and we lift our hearts to you. And we want to ask not that you would arbitrarily keep the wonder going in our lives. No, no, no. We don't just ask God. We want the butterflies again. Young people, you don't have to ask God, God, keep the butterflies from retreat going. You don't have to ask for the butterflies. I mean, you can ask the Spirit to keep you fired up. That's fine. You can pray to God. But let me tell you, as you pray to God, you also got to be committed. Because we lose it so often and we lose it, but we lost it because we stopped being committed. And then we ask God to make us feel it so that we can do it. But God says, you got to do it and then you'll feel it. So we want to be committed. I want to be at youth on Wednesday. Come on, come on church. We're going to be at church on Sunday. We're going to be in class. We're going to be in group. We're going to tithe because where my treasure is, there my heart is. So I'm not going to wait for my heart to get there before I put my treasure there. I'm going to put my treasure there and my heart will be there. And so we commit God to be dedicated. We make a fresh commitment to the things of God, to your house, to your kingdom, to your word. God, we make a fresh commitment to participate in this thing. And as we do this morning, make a fresh commitment. I pray that you'd give us the all back. Wow, we love you. Wow, we love your house. Wow, we get to be a part of this. And so we commit today to doing that. God challenges, correct us, just, just Holy Spirit speak to each one of us. It might just be one thing. It might be a few things or it might be an overhaul. But come on, as we start to sing this song, this is what we're gonna do. You guys are familiar with this already. This this place down front is an altar. That's what it is. It's a place where you can say, I'm gonna step out and meet God. The Holy Spirit's not down here any more than he's up there. That's not what I mean. But an altar is a place where you meet God. And sometimes you just have to take a step of faith to shake yourself up a little bit and to shake out of the meh and say, God, I wanna go after you and I wanna commit my life to you. And so youth, you can come back down. And as we sing this last song, maybe you've been one of the hands in the pocket. Come on, I'm talking proverbial hands in the pocket figuratively speaking I'm just going to sit back but today I feel the Holy Spirit of God stirring me to participate stirring me to be involved stirring me to commit stirring me to get my awe and my wonder back and if that's you you're one of those people hey maybe just a step down front as we worship and you can worship in your teeth but there's something powerful to take a step and to say God here I am I'm giving my life I'm pouring myself out as a living sacrifice so we worship you God we praise you we give you all the honor and the glory and the praise because you're worthy.